1 John chapter 2. This past Sunday I became a windsucker because I had no air. Went to the doctor this morning and he gave me a clear bill of, he bill of health. Amen. My wife says we're changing doctors. But anyway, I'm, I'm not changing doctors. Amen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. Thank you, Brother Jeremy and Brother Randy. I couldn't have made it without you. And I don't know what it sounded like, but I know it sounded better than me trying to horse it out up here. Amen. Pollen has got around my tonsils, gone down to my adenoids, and circling around my vocal cords. Amen. <clears throat> but it's nothing, nothing major. Amen. Thank God. I've been to the hospital today and seen a lot of people that's very sick. And I thank God for the health that I have. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. 1 John chapter 2, 12 through 14. Last week, I gave the negative of this chapter. This week, I want to give the positive of the chapter on spiritual maturity or growing. I want to ask you a question. Thank you, Brother Scott, for this water, too. Uh, <clears throat> how long did it take you to get spiritual? Amen? A lot of people want to uh, get people because they don't exactly look like you or act like you or even dress like you. And I believe you ought to dress modestly. I don't think you ought to attract the opposite sex by any kind of sensual looks, especially in the house of God. But I want to tell you something. It takes people time to grow. Amen? And I don't care <clears throat> what people, how people come in here, but I do care how they come out and how they grow. And folks, it takes time to grow. Amen? So Christian maturity. How many is too uh, cold in here? Raise your hand. Anybody too cold? Okay, we need to calm this down a little bit. I'm burning up. But, uh, and some of y'all burning up, but y'all have normal like I am. So we'll try to keep this thing calm. Maybe we can kill this one up here uh, or whatever. Um, it's warmer up front, <clears throat> I believe. I don't know. But anyway, we tried to get the pollen out of here. Verse 12, 13, and 14. Let's stand on the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2. I want to preach on Christian maturity or spiritual maturity. It says, I write unto you, little children, because you, your sins are forgiven you for... For his name's sake. I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. And I write unto you young men, <clears throat> because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because ye have, been, ye have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him, <clears throat> listen, that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. In this passage of scripture, you see three levels of Christians. You see the child, you see the young man, and you see the father. I believe with all my heart that in the local church, there's a lot of people that are 45, 50 years old and older that's still sucking their thumb spiritually. They still have to have their diapers changed. They still have needs, and they never meet anybody else's needs. And they're just like a baby. And folks, we got to grow up. we got to learn to mature in the Lord. And this is what this chapter is all about. And these, these verses especially. So you pray as I preach on grow up <clears throat> or Christian maturity. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for that song we just sung. It was written by a janitor of a church that later became the pastor of the church. And Lord, I thank you for giving him that song of leave it there. Dear God, we know a sign of maturity is that we leave our burdens at the altar when we pray about them. We leave it at the foot of the cross, 
and we get burdens, but we don't get so burdened down that we um, uh, are just depressed and fall out of church and, and you know, just, just uh, pout and panic instead of pray and praise. So, Lord, help us to learn how important this place is as far as spiritual growth is concerned. Lord, I believe the ministry of this church is to help people become more like you. And so, Lord, help us to be just that, like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you a question, another question. Are you growing as a Christian? Let me ask you this question. Are you more spiritual this time of the year than you were this time last year? If you're not, you're backsliding. The Christian life is a constant time of growth. That's why we need the Word of God. We need it not only on Sunday morning, we need it on Sunday night. We need it not only on Sunday night, we need it on Wednesday night. And we don't need it just on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We need it every night and every morning and every day. And we need special things like took place last night about being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And I appreciate Miss Lois who wasn't completely well and did a great job on the devotion. I heard all about it. And I got some snacks on the, uh, finally when my wife got home at 10 o'clock. And my doctor told me to go on a diet, so that complicated everything. But anyway, we, 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 we have victory when we go to things like that and hear the Word of God and grow. Amen? It's not just a little devotion, but it's being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And we're like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and we bear forth fruit. And so I'm going to tell you something. God's will is you to get saved, be a child of His, but then become a strong young man or young lady, spiritually speaking, and then be a father, be a father spiritually, or a mother spiritually to others. In other words, get a ministry, have an influence, and reach others. Be a fruit-bearing tree. When the Bible says perfect in Matthew 5, 48, it's not talking about being perfect as far as perfect sinless. It means mature or fruit-bearing. A perfect tree is a fruit-bearing tree. And so we need to grow as a Christian. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. I'm mean, glad to be around the Word of God this, this afternoon and say amen. And I said all that about Easter is this. It's hard to do all those things as long as you don't put those things before God. I mean, I've never been real tight on that. I haven't crucified Santa Claus lately. I haven't shot the Easter bunny. But I want to tell you something. I get a little sick and tired. When some people, that's all they do on that weekend. And they try to escape from the reality that Jesus is the reason for not every season, but for every day. And it bugs me that the world always has their little fort lore and their little substitute, and they get all wrapped up in that when they ought to get wrapped up in Jesus. Amen? And so I'm just lifting Jesus, and I try not to make a big fuss and split the church over a Thinking bunny. But look at this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Amen. I've already made some people mad. I guarantee you. Amen. They've already bought their baskets. And, you know, that's all right. Just don't skip church while, you, while you're trying to find it. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, that's the death, burial, and resurrection. Thank God. Last night I got to preach at the YDC. None of the counselors brought Bibles except one lady. They didn't even show up. All, all of them were sick or out of town. And then we had three kids finally come out of the cells, and I preached to three people. 
But I want to tell you the best part of preaching to three people. One of them got saved. An old boy named Brandon from Tallapoosa, Georgia. Amen. And I mean, he really got saved. You say, how do you know he got really got saved? Because he's been in there six months hearing the gospel, and he's going home in ten days, and he got to hear it one more time, and he got saved. Not that I was something, but uh, you just keep planting it. And thank God this young man's going home. Lives with his grandmother because his parents are so sorry that they're in jail too. And he's going home and apologizes to his grandmother and start his life all over. That's worth it. I don't care if, it's, if it was just him. It's worth it. And so, folks, we've got to leave the principles of, of just getting the death, burial, and resurrection. And we need to start giving. Look at this. And it says, let us go on unto perfection. That means maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works and faith towards God. In other words, we need to grow past being a child of God and be a warrior or a worker of God. Being not just a saint or saved, but be a servant of God and a soldier of God. God wants you not just to fill a pew, but God wants you to reach others to fill that pew. Amen? God wants us to mature. Maturity ought to be the goal of the ministry. It ought to be the goal of the ministry. It ought to be like that old grub worm that uh, turns into a beautiful butterfly. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, we're, and, we're, and the Bible says that we, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, that we look into his face, the glory of God, and we're changed into his likeness. And it's wonderful to grow in the Lord. I hope I've grown in these last 41 years. If I hadn't, y'all in trouble, and I'm in trouble, we're all in trouble. Maturity ought to be the goal of the ministry. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, just setting the foundation for this message. It's Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 13, please. <clears throat> we got the thermostat set on 69. We might not bump it up to 70. I don't want anybody to be cold. The other day I was in a church. And I'm telling you what, you could have hung meat in the pews. It was that cold. And I was very distracted. And my wife uh, reminded me as I was going out the door, she says, that's the way you make us feel when you freeze us to death. She said it very kindly, though, very, very sweet, you know. But I got the point. I got the point. Amen. I really did. And so uh, I can't get up and do anything about it. But look at this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13 is a wonderful verse about the church. It says, to, it says for we are... It says, for the perfect, let's go back to verse uh, 11. And, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, if God gave them to you, that means they're, they're a gift from God. You ought to treat them like that. That pastor was weeping on the phone saying, saying, I don't know what happened, but my life is over if I can't preach. I said, no, it's not. It's over. You need to reach your daughter and your wife. And I said, you need to know that we'll pray for you. He says, well, don't mention my name. I said, I'm not going to mention your name, but i got to go into detail enough that the church really gets a burden for you. He says, please do. And he, held, and he hung up the phone weeping because his, his ministry's gone if he don't get his marriage back together. And I want to tell you something, friend. The devil's a roaring lion seeking to devour pastors, evangelists, teachers. And look at this. He gives us pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets apostles for the perfecting of the saints isn't that wonderful that means the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry so you'll get involved in the work of the ministry and it says for the edifying of the body of christ the edifying of the body of christ and so let's go back to our text and we'll stay there most of the night for about 
next 30 minutes or so. But in 1 John, he tells us why he writes this book. Or excuse me, he tells us who he writes this book to. And that's to the children, spiritually speaking, to the young men, and to the fathers. And I want to give you these three category of believers, and I want you to ask your question, ask the question, where are you at? And where do you want to arrive? And I believe that, uh, folks, you can be a spiritual giant, but you still need to have the children in you of never losing the wonder of it all. You can be a spiritual father, and that means you're over uh, a ministry, and your greatest ministry is your family, but you can still have that uh, adventure of knowing God and loving God and getting more from God. It's not just so fuddy-dud that you get old and sour and never smile at anybody and look sad and blue and like you've been baptized in vinegar and your mother-in-law's come to live with you. That ain't the Christian life, say amen. Amen. I thought of your mother again when I said that. She rebuked me for saying that one time. But I, I want you to know this, folks. God help us never to get over the trust of it all. Children trust their parents. They ought to. They got some good parents. And I'll tell you something, they love their parents. So we ought to all stay childish in a way, or childlike, not childish. Number one, a little child on the negative side, the Bible says in verse 12, it says, I write to you little children. He emphasized that, little children. That means they were babies. You know what a baby is? A baby, I'm going to get in trouble saying this, a baby is lazy. They don't do a thing for themselves. I mean, they just have to say, goo, goo, ga, ga, and cry, and man, everybody in the house is up. You ever been there? We had twins on my birthday. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about, amen? I even got up when they both started yelling and screaming. Nothing was wrong. They just wanted some attention, and praise God. They were tired of the dark, or they wanted a bottle at 2 o'clock in the morning. I told them to go back to bed and, and would eat some collard greens at 9 a.m., amen? I didn't. And I mean, I was, I, 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 I was with it, amen? I had to be with it. And I want to tell you something, children, they never got up as babies and cleaned the house. They never did any kind of service around the house. Little children are always, give me, give me, give me. I tell you what, little children can be rude. You know, a little toddler will burp right in your face. <laughs> That's the truth. They, they don't have any manners yet because they haven't been taught that, amen? And I want to tell you something, friend, children can be selfish, self-centered. I want to tell you something. It's not about you tonight. It's about Him. Folks, it's not about what you can get. It's what you can get and give to the next generation. But we need spiritual babies. I'm going to tell you why. Because if everybody's mature in this church, we're not just a, a, we're just, we're not a perfect church. We're a failing church. We need babies around here. Say amen. I've been in a lot of churches lately preaching, and I want to tell you something. The crowd's getting older and older and older. They either gray-haired or no hair. That's a sign of decrepitcy right there, amen? But I want to tell you this, folks, it, 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 the church is getting old. And people, 90% of all teenagers are not coming back to church after they graduate. Something's wrong. We need babies. We need children. We need eight people getting saved in the last two months. We need the children to be immature. We need the children tearing up the place. We need children pitching a fit because, folks, there's life when there's children. I'm talking about spiritual now. Don't think about the negative. But I want you to see the positive side of children. Number one, children are thrilled about knowing Jesus. You know, new converts are great to be around. New members are great to be around because they don't get settled in and soured up. 
and they don't get settled in and sleep it up. They just excite about everything. I mean, they, they actually lean forward when you preach and they smile and they nod and they take notes, glory to God. You really want to excite a preacher, act like you've got something you can take down, say amen. So first of all, I want you to see it on that first slide is that there's the children level. And we ought to have the thrilling wonder of childhood. That ought to be a, you should never lose the wonder of it all. Let, let me just say this. That young man last night, after he got saved, you probably know him, uh, Brother Jeremy, he, he, his whole countenance changed. He actually smiled after I said, hey, you, do you see these verses? And I went over them very carefully. I said, now, if you died right now, where do you go? He didn't go, heaven. Yeah, I think so. Heaven, yeah. I just want to get, I want out of this place. He just said, heaven. And he smiled, and he said, and I said, who, who can you live for tomorrow? And he said, Jesus. He's a 15-year-old that's been pushing drugs all his life, and Lord only knows what else he's done because I don't ask him. But I want to tell you something, friend. There was a glow and a peace and a joy about that young man's countenance. Now, I'm not saying everybody that has a good countenance is saved because Mary Kay can cover a lot of wrinkles. Amen. I'm getting, I'm getting dangerous territory again. Amen. But anyway, amen. Chanel number five can cover a lot of stink. But I want to tell you this, friend. Thank God. Thank God for the perfect peace that God gives you as a child of God. Some people are 45 years old and still sucking their spiritual thumb. That's right. I thank God for the workers of this church. I thank God for all the work that went in last night. I thank God for my wife is all, uh, for 41 years, she's just had this burden that somebody ought to have a meal when they come back from the funeral home. And she's bore that burden and she's carried more food than any person I've ever seen in my life. I said, why don't you get somebody else to do that? And I fuss at her, you know, you ought to get somebody else to do that. And I said, you know, We'll have three teams and, and, um, and have a bunch of ladies doing it and just rotate and every, they won't get called on, but every third death. Aren't you glad you ain't the third death, amen? I put that on Facebook and everybody said, that sounds cold. I said, I'm trying to make it sound warm, amen? Every third death, you get to cook a cake. Every third death, you get to cook a chicken, amen? You get to deliver one, amen? What a blessing. And I don't want y'all lining up for the third death, but I'm just saying this. Thank God, thank God that we can do something for God if it's not just cook a chicken in His name. Run a van, drive a bus, whatever you can do. I thank God for the servants of this church, but I also thank God for the soldiers of this church. I want to tell you something. I've been on the verge of quitting. I've had somebody come in my office and say, Preacher, I realize you're down, you're depressed. I want, to, I want to just have a word of prayer with you. They get on their knees and weep and say, God, help my preacher. You don't think that'll make you want to charge hell with a squirt gun? It will. And I want to tell you something, friend. Sometimes we need to realize there's a warfare going on and we need to grow up and stop coming to church as babies and, so, and, and realize that God wants us to grow into young men or young ladies and then fathers, spiritually bearing forth fruit spiritually reproducing. And I'm going to tell you the main reason we ought to grow up tonight. We're in a warfare. And if we're babies, we're going to get annihilated. Let me give you a dumb illustration. 
but sometimes the illustrations get the point across. I wonder if the Atlanta Falcons came to Dalton, Georgia, and they wanted to play the Valley Point Greenways. Amen? Now, what do you think would happen if it was really they didn't let up they, and they played smash-mouth football? I'll tell you what would happen. The green wave would be the green glob. Amen? They'd be gone. You know, and folks, I, this is a dumb illustration, but we got a lot of churches full of junior high, and they're going against the devil, the, de- imps, the, the, the demons of hell. We're in a warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers in dark places. We wrestle against the devil. He's an opponent that you're no match for. And folks, if we're not spiritual, we will lose the warfare. We will call another preacher up and say, my wife has banned me from the house. And the law has been called and all kinds of junk going on. And, it did, and my wife and I's mouth just dropped open when we heard that. How could that be? I said, brother, why didn't you come for counseling? We had too much pride. And, 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 and folks, it's the devil. It's the imps of hell. It's the demons of hell that's bombarding our families, our children, our teenagers. You just don't know what they face. How many young girls lost their virginity this weekend? There's statistics I could give you. How many people went out and got drunk? And folks, I want to tell you something, friend. There is a roaring lion seeking to devour your child. We got to grow up. We got to grow up. Because this is no picnic. This is not some fun time at Lake Winnipesoka, the Christian life. This is a warfare. We've got to put on the whole armor of God, and we need to pray in the Spirit for one another because some people can't even pray. But most of the time, we're praying for ourselves. Oh, God, if I can just get through this day. Oh, Lord, I feel like quitting. Matter of fact, I'm mad at the preacher for what he said. He didn't like the Easter Bunny. And, and, you know, and just, just wanting to quit the church when the kids are going to hell. We've got to grow up. Then I see the second stage that he preaches to or t- is teaching to is verse 13 and 14. He says, I write in you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write in you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write in you, young little children, because ye have known the Father. Now, folks, I want to just show you in verse 14. He says, I've written unto you, Fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. He keeps flipping back from father to, to young men, father to young men. I won't tell you why. Because it's a transition. Is that we need to grow up. We need to mature. How many people are home tonight, mad, sad, and not glad, and out of the will of God? I mean, it becomes a way of life being here. It should not be a have to. It ought to be a want to. But there's some people that it wouldn't cross their mind to come to church on Wednesday night. It wouldn't even cross their mind. They would think you was out of your mind if you suggested it. They got to cut grass, and they got to make overtime, and they got to watch that show, you know, the good or bad or ugly doctor or whatever they watch on Wednesday night. Or the voice, or the, or the American Idol, or something that's life-changing. Or survival, praise God. Or this is us. What a title for a movie. This is us. 
And folks, they got their, they got their priorities all out of whack. When a world's lost and dying and going to hell and there's a neighbor observing what you do every Sunday and every Wednesday. Come on. But oh no, I got to have my time. I want to tell you something, you ain't got no time except God's time. And if, it was, and if you don't believe that, shake your fist at God and say you don't need his time. And he might stop that heart beating and he might stop that lungs from expanding. And he might just take you on out of here. But he's gracious, isn't he? We all deserve to be taken out of here. But I'm glad for the 60-something years God's given me. And I'm facing another birthday, and I just can't believe. I feel like I'm 32. I feel like I'm 82. <laughs> but thank God that we can be strong, young men. That means strong to work, laborers together. Not just, you know, here's the, here's the movement today. Laughters together. Entertain me. Let, make me laugh. Make me feel something, and I'll come to church. Folks, you can do that at a movie. Amen. I mean, you really can get a feeling at a movie. Uh, you can do that on a shopping trip. I've never got a good feeling at a shopping trip. But some of you ladies have, wow, look at this dress. You know, whoo. Wow, look at these striped socks. Hallelujah, what a deal. I got them half price, two for one. <laughs> hey, man, you get all excited about these, and that's all right, but you should not get more excited about that than this. Amen, Amen. come on now. I'm touching a little nerve strings here because some people just come for a feeling. You can get a feeling from a rock and roll song, but it might not be the right feeling because it might not be the right message. Come on now. Hey, you can really get a feeling if you listen to country music. Some old guy whining on a horse in the sunset, you know, smoking a Marlboro and going to the cancer ward. But boy, it's good, amen. Got his hat tipped just right, you know. Old George is cool, you know. Yeah, he's cool, all right. Lost and in his fifth marriage. Uses cuss words in his songs. Some guy sung at a funeral I preached at. That about flipped my wig if I had one. <laughs> Grow up! There's not time to play. It's Valley Point versus the Falcons. We got to get strong. We need to be strong because there's a work to be done. How can you lift somebody out of a ditch if you're so weak you're in the ditch with them? Come on now. If you're so worldly, they think that's the way to live. Listen, take, the, take Christ out of Christianity and all you've got is an entity. Folks, Christians are distinctively different. I want to say this, and I'm going to say it very kindly. When you come into the sanctuary, you ought to dress different, you ought to act different, you ought to look different, you ought to, uh, you ought to react different, because you're not in a show. And you're not showing up for somebody to lust after you either not about you and I want to tell you something friend I'm just about ready to call some people down that's distracting from my message because I'm going to tell you something there should be no distractions in the house of God we're workers we we'll grow up we're also warriors we fight we fight Satan I wish somebody told me as soon as I got saved, it's not going to always be fun. It's not going to always be easy. It's a warfare. 
I think I'd have better prepared myself. I think I'd have, got, I'd have dug in with the cleats of the gospel of peace better. I'm saying, friend, listen, flesh is reeking in every area of our life. But we need to mortify the deeds of the flesh and worship in the spirit, not in sensual attractions. And folks, the churches that are packed in this day and age has a lot of sensuality going on. And then the father stage. I thought this was going to be real positive. Maybe this will get positive. But I want to tell you something, friend. One thing that I like about a preaching is that it shows us we're sinners, but it also that's the bad news. I'm going to preach on this Sunday morning and come back, but I want to give you the good news, the gospel. We've got to realize the bad news, we're sinners. The bad news is we can't save ourselves, but the good news is gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. So what's the bad news do? It makes the good news look better, amen? So if I preach against sin, holiness ought to look better. If I preach against sin, spiritual growth ought to be more appetizing. It's a shame today that preachers have to spend a lot of time rebuking sin. A goal in life should be this, to be a father in the ministry or a mother in the ministry. Look at it, a fruit bearer. It says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. It's an intimate relationship with the father. Let me close real quick. i got about 10, 15 minutes. As I promised, I'd try to get you out at 8, 15. The goal is to be like the Father. And you know, if you spend enough time with your Father, you'll act like Him, even you girls. Somebody said that if you spend enough time with somebody, you begin to look like them. My wife's getting worried now. But if you... But you <laughs> It, really, it's amazing. You want to comb your hair like them. You want, to, you want to look like them. You don't mean to, but you just look like them. You sure act like them. Association uh, brings assimilation. You, you associate with a person. By the way, if you get around with some bad attitude people, you're going to have a bad attitude. You're around the world more than you are God's people. You're going to be worldly. I don't care what you say. You're going to be worldly. But I want to tell you something. The Father spends time with the Father, and it begins to think, and he begins to look, and he begins to act, and he begins to react like the Father. But most important of all, because he's been born of the Spirit, and there's a godly spirit in their life. Let me just say, number one, the characteristics of a good father, spiritually speaking. He reproduces. A father reproduces. Um, through soul winning, through discipleship. If you really want to know if you're mature, who have you won to the Lord in the last year? Who are you responsible for of being in the house of God? How many times have you planted a seed and handed out a tract this, this year? We're in the fourth, almost the fifth month. Fathers reproduce. Number two, if you want to be mature like a father, they have wisdom. I want to tell you, there's one thing that's needed in the house of anybody's house is a father with wisdom. He looks at this world through God's eyes, not through mama's eyes, and God forbid not through the teenager's life because, folks, they shouldn't run the house. 
The father is the head of the home. And the father is the, is the provider of wisdom. He sees down the road. He doesn't go by emotions. He goes by faith. A father has wisdom. Wisdom is the fear of God. The wisdom is this. I know God, I love God, and, I'm not going, and I have an awesome dread of displeasing God. And when you have a father like that, it just comes on down to the children. It, 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 it gravitates to the wife, and there's just one family that lives with the presence of God in their life. It's wonderful. Peace and joy and purpose because the father has it together. The father ministers. The father, number three, provides. A father's a giver, not a taker. Or a spiritual mama's a giver, not a taker. If there's only five pieces of pie and five children, she all of a sudden doesn't want a piece of pie. She'd really love to have a piece of pie. But she's the only one that's going to sacrifice it because daddy sure isn't, amen. But anyway, fathers are providers. Fathers give. You've got to give your family what they need. And they need God's presence. They need God's word. They need God's fellowship. And it doesn't really matter what they feel like. It's what you know is best for them. Fathers are wise. Fathers are providers. And then fathers are protectors. Now if you really want to get me mad, just touch my children and touch my wife. And some people know that and they have done that in the past. And they almost got me to forfeit this ministry because I was so mad I could knock their head off. I have a protection in my mind. But I've never done that. I've always prayed and tried to comfort them and say, listen, they're not after you. They're after who we represent. They're not after to run you, us out of town. They're after to run God out of town. But they're not going to do it. And so we protect. Folks, we pray a hedge around our family. We, we, we provide the word to them. We get them in the kind of church like this is and we don't let them go to a rock and roll concert church or an entertainment church or a religious church that has no form but God's idols. We give them a church that has the word because the word's the only thing that's going to be a boundary of protection in their life. And we have to do it from the crib up. And if some of you are just catching up, you need to be really disciplined about getting the word around them and surround them because one day they're going to be on their own and the choices they make has got to be word-centered. It's got to be spirit-led or you've had it. They'll marry wrong. They'll divorce wrong. They'll give up wrong. And their kids will turn out wrong. And it all depends on mama and daddy being spiritually mature. Well, kids, where would y'all like to go this morning? You don't take a vote. You lead them. Well, what would you like to do on the Lord's day today? There is no vote about it. There's a, there's a perspective here that we're in a warfare and the devil's trying to kill us and the devil's trying to destroy us and we better go to the fort and we better get some reinforcement. And we, better get some, we better get something to battle with and we better get the sword sharpened. Because we're in a warfare. Let's go. And I didn't have a daddy like that, and I wish I did, but I had a mama that ripped those sheets off me. And I'd complain because I was out too late on a date. I hate to admit that. 
And that she'd say, you are going to church whether you like it or not. And I said, well, I don't like it. She said, well, it don't matter. You ain't going to turn out like your blooming daddy, she'd say. <laughs> that was real motivation. You, know? you ain't going to turn out like him. And I said, okay, Mom. And then she'd not only pull the sheets off me, she'd go in back in the bedroom and she'd say, "Hun, talking to my daddy, you're going to church too. I said, praise God, I want to see this. Or we're not going to have supper around here. Boy, he'd get up, read his courtly during the whole doggone uh, service so he wouldn't listen to the gospel and get under conviction because mama said, there ain't going to be peace around here until you get in church. And then he got saved. Then he wanted to go to church because God gave him a new want to. We're protectors. And then father sets the standard. You know, you have some standards in your home. Right kind of music. Right kind of literature. You shouldn't have GDs blaring and surround sound coming from your, from your TV. You ought to change that thing. In the old days, they'd say you ought to take the TV and throw it in the river. But that got expensive, didn't it? <laughs> but I'll tell you this, friend. Father and mother ought to mature enough to say, that's not going to take place in here, in this, in this, in this, in this, this home. We're going to make it a home that honors God. He's going to be our guest of honor right there. He's sitting right there. And whatever pleases him is what we're going to do. Whatever doesn't offend him, that's what we're going to do. If it offends him, we're not going to do it. Amen. Now, that's, that's maturity now. I mean, that, that's not easy. Uh, we want to go with the flow. We don't want to ruffle the feathers of anybody. and We want it easy. But I want to tell you something. There's a thrilling wonder of childhood. There's a triumphant warfare of manhood. But there's a tested wisdom of fatherhood. Folks, we're to be overcomers. Look at verse 13. It says we're to overcome that wicked one. And then we're to conquer. What's it say? In, 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 uh, uh, it says uh, overcome the wicked one. We're to be strong and the word of God abide in you. That's all maturity. Uh, John had to grow. The guy that wrote this book had to grow. In Mark chapter 3, verse 17, he's called the son of thunder. He had a bad temper, him and his brother. In Mark chapter 10, verse 37, it said he was selfish. In Luke chapter 9, verse 54 through 55, he was prejudiced. And in, in verse, Luke chapter 9, verse 49, he cast somebody out because it wasn't one of his. He was intolerant. And then John matured, and he got the revelation. And he wrote one, two, three, four, five great books in the New Testament, named after. Or second, third John, and John. Now let me just close. Next slide, please. We're closed. I got six minutes. What are the means to maturity? Number one, number one, there must be, there must be a miracle in your life. It demands the miracle of life. You must be born again. What if I'd have sent this guy back to Tallapoosa and said, Hey, listen, just be mature and grow up and read your Bible and go through the catechism and go through the Baptist doctrine class and, and just go to church and be the best person you want to. And I don't have my Bible here to, uh, to witness, uh, to counsel with you. Let me just give you some philosophy of life. I want to tell you something. There's one thing missing. The birth, the new birth, being a child of God. I mean the Spirit of God. Peter Lord and his church brought out that squash takes 40 days to grow. 
but an oak tree takes 40 years to grow. And so he, he performed this uh, uh, experiment with everybody, and it was amazing. He had different Sunday school classes take potted plants home with them. And he said, this class, you're going to have water and sunshine and fertilizer. And he gave them all the ingredients, not the sunshine. God gave them that. And every week those plants would come back and they were flourishing. Then another class, he had the potted plant, and he just gave them water. And they started wilting. And then one other class, he just gave them fertilizer. Boy, it yelled. And I mean, it wasn't growing. But folks, I want to tell you something. In one class, he gave a piece of dead wood and said, I want you to fertilize it. I want you to water it. And I want you to put it out every day in the sunshine. And those kids did that for weeks. And guess what? After six weeks, it's still a dead limb because there was no nature. There was no spiritual birth. And folks, listen, it takes, it takes time to grow. Give people time to grow. That's why I don't run people off when they show up with earrings in their nose. I don't understand that. I wouldn't even know how to blow my nose if I had one in my nose. It bothers me if there's a hair on the end of my nose, much less a ring. But I'm not going to say a word. They're here. Praise God. We're going to preach to them, love them, invite them to Sunday school class, and take them out to lunch. But we hope in about six years they give up that ring or it's going to be rusty. Come on. I'm preaching now. Folks, it takes time. Give people time. And you take time. It takes time for you to grow. That means you ought to put a lot of time in this thing called spiritual growth. More time than you put in anything else, there ought to be a spiritual nourishment. Number two, we grow not only the miracle of life, but it requires nourishment. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says we desire the sincere milk of the Word. The Word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. In the Bible days, they didn't have books, they just had a bunch of hearing. But hearing also means obeying. George Mueller said this, The word is food for my inner soul. And he prayed in over 750 million pounds. That's British for dollars. More than a dollar. 750. Uh, maybe it was 750,000 pounds. That's a lot of money back then. But he read through the Bible a hundred times and he memorized whole books of the Bible. That's why he never told anybody what he needed for the orphans that he raised. He told God, and sometimes they'd be out of milk, and the milk truck, the milk truck. You ever, you ever got milk in a, a glass jar, some of you older people like me, and it was delivered to your door? <laughs> some of y'all said, what? I go to Food City, it's in a carton. But I mean, there was, it's delivered. It's delivered. And folks, the milk truck would break down outside his door. And the milk was going to spoil. And here's the guy knocking on the door. He says, can you use 18 gallons of milk? He said, yeah, we just prayed for it. Bring it on in. And all the kids were amazed. Folks, listen, over and over again, God answered George Mueller's prayer, but he never, never got away from the Word of God. He prayed 50 years for a best friend to be saved, and he never got saved. Until George Mueller's funeral. And his best friend got saved at his funeral after 50 years of praying. That's a, that's a spiritual giant to me. 
That's a mature father. He has fruit. There's thousands and thousands of people saved through his ministry. and Missionaries sent around the world. And then last but not least, growth demands discipline of exercise. Discipline of exercise. How many can testify that it's hard to be on that treadmill every morning? Makes a good clothes hanger, don't it? <laughs> Come on now. I got some feet problems, so I got me elliptical. Now my shoulder's hurting from doing, doing this. And I said, got to take a day off, amen. Praise God, I'm going to kill myself on this elliptical. Well, don't laugh. Some of y'all ain't broke a sweat in five years. <laughs> it takes exercise. It takes discipline. Amen. Doctor told me today, he says, you know, your feet wouldn't hurt as bad if you'd lose about 20 pounds. Now, my wife's been telling me that for a long time, my Everybody in this church has been telling me that a long time, but it, it was sort of, sort of rung a bell when the doctor said it. I said, okay, doctor, you're on. Make me a six-month appointment. I'll show you. He said, you said that last time, Wayne. <laughs> he said, you're a Baptist preacher, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, you've got to give up the fried chicken. I said, you're going too far, doc. You're going too far. You're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. The gospel bird must be consumed. Amen. Going too far, changing doctors. But anyway, growth demands discipline. It demands exercise. If you do not exercise your heart, it will die. Somebody told me the other day I was listening to an expert on health. Don't you love those guys on WSB that has all your problems solved before you even saw it? They said this. I didn't want to hear it, and I didn't want to repeat it, but I wrote it down. The new smoking is sitting. We was all against the smokers in the years but gone. But folks, I want to tell you something. Sitting is the new smoker. Sitting is the new smoking. We're behind a steering wheel all day. We're behind a computer all day. We're sitting behind a desk all day. And I want to tell you something, folks. It's killing us because we're not exercising and disciplined. We're getting well-rounded, aren't we? Come on. Somebody gave me this coat. I appreciate it so much. And, and, and um, my wife says, it's too little. I said, it won't be. This is my goal. I said, I'm going to wear it tonight. Amen. I can't button it. If I button it, it pop that button and, and put Miss Lois's eye out. But I got, I'm growing into I'm growing out of it. I'm going to do something. For, and it's going to take discipline. Most Christians are flabby. I'm preaching now. I'm talking about spiritual. We soak it up, soak it up, soak it up, soak it up, but we never give it out. And we never practice it. And we never discipline ourselves to go on when we don't feel like it. And when everything else is crashing in on our schedule, like tonight, you sure would like to stay at home, but you showed some discipline by being in the house of God. You don't sit and soak and sour. You obey. Practice what you hear preached. Read the Word. Don't worry about what you understand. Disobey what you do understand, and you'll understand a lot more. Say amen. Don't worry about what you can't do. Find out what you can do, and begin to do it, and you'll grow. So let me just review. If you want to grow, you need the miracle of life in your, in your heart. Jesus Christ. The new birth. 
You want to grow, you need nourishment. That means the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word, and that means plenty of it and discipline to hear it and obey it. And you need discipline. You just need discipline to exercise what God tells you to do. If you want to grow, just go ahead and be faithful when there's tribulation. When mama dies and when daddy dies, go ahead and be faithful. When a child dies, you just go ahead and be faithful because you feel like dying and quitting and wondering why. Come on. Some of y'all been through tragedies. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are so blessed you've never been through a tragedy. But I want to tell you something. That takes discipline to say I'm going to go on anyway. My heart's broken. I can't even see the sunshine, but I know he's the sunshine that's coming up in the morning. Discipline. Discipline. Army gives us discipline. Our boss gives us discipline. But I want to tell you something, friend. The commander-in-chief of all chiefs, God Almighty, Lord of all, wants us to be disciplined. And you want to be a disciple? Then be disciplined. You want to grow and be a mighty warrior? You want to be, a hey, at least a father or mother that helps your children and beats the devil off their back and helps them grow and helps them be merry right and, and live right and love right? then be mature enough to lead them. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. You can be a little child. You can be a young man, spiritually speaking. Or you can be a father. Let's pray. Father, thank you. And I don't use the word father flippantly or just as a prayer. You are my heavenly father. And Lord, I want to be mature enough that I could father some people. That I could lead some people that I could discipline and help and feed and protect and provide for some people. I don't want to just be give me, give me. I want to get to give, to get, to give. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God and overflowing. And Lord, I guess what I'm praying, and I believe what this whole message is about, I just want to be like you. I just want to be like you. I don't want to be like the famous preacher downtown. I don't want to be like the famous preacher down in Atlanta. I just want to be like you. And Lord, if I'm going to be like you, I've got to continue to grow. And I've got to continue to obey. And I've got to continue to say no to my old flesh and my feelings because they sure get in the way. And Lord, I just want to be like you. So God, help us to be a shepherd. God, help us to be a laborer. God, help us to be a soldier. That we can beat the devil off our children's back, our grandchildren's back, our flock's back. And we can help somebody because we're close to you. And if we draw nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to us. And if you'll only draw nigh to us, you'll, you'll, you'll indwell us and you'll infill us with your spirit that we can minister out of fullness. Lord, that's a mature Christian.